Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This happened on New Year's Eve day of 2019 to 2020. I was celebrating the end of another year at my house with three of my friends. My dad was out at a friend's party for New Year's and my younger sister was at a sleepover as well. Now, we were in the living room just waiting for the cookies that we'd baked to be ready, eating the raw leftover cookie dough. We were watching Netflix, Castlevania Season 2 if anyone cared. But being teenage girls with no cooking skills for anything but pastries, we had ordered a, a ton of pizza and fast food from the local pizza shop. So when someone knocked at the door, we originally thought nothing of it. I mumbled a comment about delivery people not knowing what a doorbell was and got up pausing the TV and paid the delivery guy. I went back to my friends and we started to dig in, still watching the TV, and then this is the moment that... I don't think that I could forget, even if I wanted to. The door to the living room was shut and the curtains were closed. TV at near full volume, we were all intently focused on the season's finale episode, either throwing comments out at the TV or just sounds of surprise. This began just as the final fight of the season started, when my best friend Ali had just shouted, he can turn into a wolf, at the same time that an aggressive bang came to the door, but... But we didn't fully register it because of Ali's shouting and the loud soundtrack. I paused the TV waiting a minute when another bang came to the door. I got up curious who it could be. I mean, no one should have been coming to the door at this point. I stuck my head out of the living room seeing a man just standing at the door. Because I'm a teenage girl, home with only two other teenagers, I obviously didn't answer but just stood by the doorway, able to watch him to make sure that he left. He didn't. He banged on the door rhythmically. My friends and me are different people. I'm very paranoid and organized, whereas they are more relaxed and they told me to sit back down and that he would leave. But then the door handle shook aggressively. Call the police, I said quickly. 
My phone was upstairs in my room charging, so Ali called 999. She was speaking with the operator when just everything seemed to slow down. The man had thrown a rock at the window in our door and the key was in the lock to get in and out and I'd have to go towards him if I wanted to stop it. The police told us to find a place to hide with a lock on it, but there was no room with a lock. The bolt on the bathroom door had been broken since we had moved in, but never had a reason to be fixed. So we ran out of the living room into the kitchen and I had two ideas. One, get a knife in case I had to defend myself or at least just threaten him. Two, get out Storm. Storm was my dad's dog and he was a security and ex-police dog, so I grabbed his lead, got him out of his dog cage and clipped on the lead grabbing a kitchen knife. I then went into the backyard with my friends. The man opened the door to the yard where we all stood and I desperately tried not to look scared but this man had to be about 40, long greasy blonde hair and blank blue eyes. They seemed to not give any emotion behind them but his mouth was in a sort of twisted grin and he was also holding some sort of a, a knife, maybe a hunter's knife or something. Storm was barking loudly at him, but the man didn't falter. I was hesitant to let Storm off because well, I didn't want Storm to get hurt. I said to him, come closer and I'll let him off. But he just kept walking. I backed away, standing next to my friends. The second that I let Storm off, we get the knife, all right? I whispered, and my friends nodded. Ali still had the operator on the phone who said anything that we did could be classed as self-defense. So I ordered Storm to go and let him off the lead. Storm lunged at this guy, knocking him backwards, causing the knife to drop out, but not too far away. Storm had a tight grip on his arm though, so I ran over, kicking the knife away from him. This went on for maybe 10 or 20 minutes when the police finally came and I got Storm off of him. And My dad was called and came straight home to make sure that we were okay, which we were luckily. But my dad... He later found out that this guy was actually a convicted sex offender who had moved in two streets down and saw me walking Storm and our other dog too. All I can say is, man, am I so grateful that we have Storm and that my dad taught me how to deal with difficult and dangerous situations because I don't know what would have happened if we had just sat there watching TV. So my friend and I, we decided to drive from Philadelphia to Miami Beach. Unfortunately though, the car's block cracked in North Carolina. This was around 1975, although I could be off by 14 months or so I guess. But I thought that it would be a bit of an adventure to sort of hitchhike the rest of the way. I remember waiting all night on a godforsaken stretch of highway in North Carolina we got a 10 mile ride from some guy with a Prince Valiant haircut who upon dropping us said I'll probably see you guys in the morning on my way to work. Nine hours later, sure enough, he picked us up in a station wagon filled with vending machine sandwiches. We finally got to the area around the border with South Carolina and that's when a guy, the spitting image of Bundy in retrospect, stopped and asked us where we were going. When I said Miami, he said, what street? 
we were overjoyed that this young guy, older than us, was going to take us straight to my mother's house in Bay Harbor. Now, I can't prove that this person was actually Ted Bundy, but what happened was creepy, and I've researched a little and found this happened at the time after Bundy's prison break in Colorado, and at the same time that he was supposed to have moved into Florida. Anyway, after we got in the car, he offered us a, a joint. He didn't want to have any, but told us to toke up. Well, whatever was in that joint was powerful enough to almost paralyze both of us. He then began to start playing with the buttons on the radio, switching the stations compulsively almost every few seconds. And I began to feel paranoid because I could sense some weirdness exuding from this guy. I was in the front seat and my friend was in the back. We went to a rest stop and he just disappeared into the bathroom for about an hour. When he finally got back into the car, he said that he had to detour to his bank and he started to take us through miles of small roads in Georgia. I remember seeing houses on stilts in marshland, but he finally stopped in the most remote location where there was a single building that looked like a, an abandoned tavern maybe... We were still stoned and he got out of the car and went behind this building. I remember seeing palm trees, I think, and was so shocked that palm trees were so far north in Georgia. Anyway, he got back into the car and had these sunglasses on and I noticed that he seemed short as he walked back to the car. He said that he had to now speak with his lawyer and began to talk about real estate law and the changes in the law that would allow development in this area. And... We drove for hours and hours until we got to Jacksonville. He pulled a car over on a strip mall-like area and told us that there was a change of plans that we had to get out of here. We were exhausted and hung over from the angel dust or whatever was in that joint. We saw a bus station and took a bus the rest of the way to Miami. As I think back on this though, I am almost certain that this man was Ted Bundy. I still see his face and man he looked a lot like him and the time frame and the location were right too. We were two men so I don't think that we were in danger unless Bundy was considering killing men at some stage. I think that maybe he was just enjoying messing with us. I don't know but that's what happened and I'm pretty sure that I met Ted Bundy. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This happened when I was growing up around 2004 or 2005 when I was about 13 years old. It took place in a rural area a good ways outside of the town of Yulvade, Texas. The town itself was really small back then and not much to look at. It's just one of those towns that really isn't on the way to anywhere important. But my father knew someone who owned a deer lease that was about a a thousand acres, I think. It was down outside of that area and was complaining about a ton of hogs that were tearing up their land. Being open season on hogs in the south, my dad thought that he would surprise me that summer and take me down for a week to go hunting for them. Not only did that help him with networking for his job, but it also gave us some quality father-son time, you know? Anyway, I remember the drive down there from Dallas was, well, pretty much torture. It was about seven hours in my dad's hardtop Jeep Wrangler. That car was so uncomfy and I just hated it. But all I had to do was either stare out the window or try and beat Super Mario Land 2 in my Game Boy Pocket something that I was actually never able to accomplish in my youth. The drive obviously took most of the day, so we got there in the early evening. The owner of my land had told my dad that he hadn't had anyone lease it that year yet and the cabin in the property might be a little rough and dusty. I didn't really care. At this point in my life, I had been in scouts for a couple of years and spent a lot of my free time in the woods or fishing with friends anyway. So needless to say, I was pretty comfortable roughing it. After unlocking the gate and driving to the cabin on the land, we settled in. The cabin was pretty rough too. Dust and dirt everywhere, flies. I remember it looked like some raccoons had gotten in and they'd maybe done something to the floor. But after cleaning up a bit and getting the sleeping bags out, then setting up the cots that we decided to sleep on... Something about that night was just weird. I never was able to get comfortable enough to fall asleep for any restful amount. I couldn't put my finger on why, but I just had this feeling of being watched. Eventually, though, I was finally able to drift off for what I guess was about an hour, maybe. When we woke up, it was early, about 7 in the morning, I think. We decided to scout around the land for tracks and signs of hogs and find a good place to set up a blind. It was the summer and it was horribly hot in the afternoon, so morning was the best time to be out and about. After walking for an hour or so, we came to an area of trees, lightly dense, and luckily found some signs of hogs. Typical torn up ground where they'd been rooting around, so we followed them into the trees. I was looking for more signs when my dad stopped me with his arm. 
I remember looking up and seeing someone standing about 50 yards away. Some of their body was blocked by trees though. This was private land so they definitely weren't supposed to be there. We also had confirmation from the owner before we got to the lease that nobody was there. Not to mention the gate was locked up when we first arrived. But the person was wearing some bright colored red jacket. We slowly walked toward them. My dad called out something like, Hey, we're hunters, this is private land. The person didn't move at all, dead still. We must have been about 30 yards away and could see that he was turned away from us with his hands in his pockets. The weird thing was that the person was in a ski jacket and what looked like to be ski pants. Now, this is Texas in the summer. It was about 98 outside by then. My dad called out again. No reaction. He told me to stay behind him and unsnapped the clip to his pistol holster. That's all we had at the time since we were only scouting the area. The rifles were in the back of the cabin. We approached the person's right side and then my dad told me to stay about 20 yards away. I stayed, crouched down, watched him circle around to the front of the man, all the while talking to him asking if he was okay. He finally passed around to the front of the man and my dad stood straight up with a really confused look on his face. I called out and said, what's wrong? And he called back saying, it's a mannequin. I walked over to it while my dad stood there staring and as I got closer, one thing stood out the most. The clothes that it was wearing were brand new. No dust, sap, bird droppings or signs of being outside for more than maybe a day at most. But at that moment, I looked at my dad and could see him getting worried. Almost immediately too after that, I felt that feeling again like we were being watched and I knew my dad felt it too. I was pretty close to tears at this point. I remember feeling suddenly just really scared. My dad whispered, we're leaving right now. He grabbed my hand and drew his pistol. He scanned the area the whole way back while I was trying to hold back panicked tears. We got back as fast as we could I was terrified, so it felt like an eternity, but it was probably only about 45 minutes max. But after returning, we packed up and we just left. We drove back home that day and we didn't talk much on the way back. I remember right after we left, my dad called his buddy, the owner of the land, and he was just as confused as we were. He said that he would go and check it out next week when he was in the area. He also said that he had never had any issues with people because his property was high-fenced. My dad normally isn't a paranoid person, mind you, but me being young and the least possibly having someone there that we didn't know about, he decides to be cautious and we just get out of there. After we got back home, we talked a little bit and... My dad wasn't able to sleep the night before as well. He had the same feeling but didn't want to wake me up because he thought that I was sleeping too. Turns out that next week he got a call from his buddy and he checked the whole property and never found a trace of anyone, no mannequin or anything. This story, it 
Still makes my hair stand on end though. I have no idea what that was, but the paranoid man in me thinks that maybe it was some kind of a, a trap or something. It's definitely not the weirdest thing that I've ever encountered in the woods, but it's a top three for sure. And it's something that I guess will just remain a mystery. This happened to my buddy and me when I was at college during the winter of 2010. I was and still am an outdoorsy guy who has been at home in the woods for a very long time now. I've seen and heard a lot of things but never had an experience like this, let me tell you. So I met my buddy at college that first semester and we became fast friends. But before I knew it, he was inviting me back to his family's place that winter to stay there and do a bit of hog hunting. I've hunted hogs since I was old enough to hunt, so I jumped at the chance. We got to his parents' place, and man, was it beautiful. They own about 1,500 acres out in rural West Texas. His family raise, show, and sell cattle and are absolutely loaded. They're amazing people, and they kind of took me in like a second son, to be honest. Over my time at college, I was visiting them a lot. But since this family is avid hunters and the land that they live on is mainly for cattle, they own another 1,000 acres that they lease to hunters and also use themselves to hunt on. So, after a day or two at the primary ranch, we set out to the hunting lease. It was just my buddy and myself, no hunters had leased it that winter yet, we set our stuff up at the little hunting cabin that they had and we set our alarms to wake us up at 6 in the morning. We got some rest and we woke up ready to get out to the stand. Us being wild college kids, we brought the whiskey and the coke and our rifles. Spare me the lectures. We were stupid college kids, I know. We got to the stand though after a short hike through the cold and hopped up onto the stand. It was one of those big green metal stands that's elevated about 15 to 20 feet in the air. The area that it was set up facing was perfect, but to the left about 100 yards was mostly cliche rock clearing with trees lining it and dead cactus. In front of us was a wider clearing with sparse trees and various weeds and grass, and to the right was a decently dense patch of trees. Behind us was a dense patch of trees and a high fence about 30 yards back. We couldn't really see behind us though because the blind that he had was only 180 degrees view. Just a back wall and a door with a window that was boarded up because the glass or whatever it had was broken. But anyway, we just set up the chairs, started drinking and the waiting began. We had a beautiful view of the area and the sunrise coming from the east of where we were was just gorgeous. We didn't see anything for the first hour or so, I think, so we just kept drinking and chatting. I would guess about, uh, maybe about an after the sun had rose, we started hearing some limbs breaking and brush rustling from behind us. It sounded a good ways back, maybe 50 yards or more, so we rented our rifles hoping that what we were certain were hogs would circle around. I remember just sitting there waiting watching the fog from my breath for a good five minutes. The rustling got closer. Then I noticed a really metallic smell. 
The best way that I can describe it is almost the smell of rusty tools that they give off when you don't take care of them. They're kind of like a mix of copper, vomit, and uh, I guess poop. I looked at my bud and whispered, You smell that? And he nodded and shrugged his shoulders. A minute later, we're still waiting. The rustling seems to get closer. Then it just kind of stopped. After a couple of minutes, I could still smell this stink but no noise and figured maybe a couple of hogs had taken a dump near the stand and moved on. I reached to pick up the bottle as my buddy puts his rifle down and just as we're doing that, we hear a sort of scream or a grunt. Now, I've never heard anything like this. It was like a low grunt that escalated into a gravelly scream and it sounded like it was right outside the back of the blind. But before we could even really react, we heard a bunch of twigs and branches snap. Sounded like it was right outside the back of the blind. And not even a couple of seconds after, we feel the entire blind shake about three times, as if a car had run into it or something. I dropped the bottle of whiskey and just looked at my friend, and he looked just as freaked as I felt. We heard a loud, sort of singular grunt, and then the sound of twigs and branches breaking again, slowly getting quieter. We just sat there, too freaked out to move for what felt like an hour, but it was probably about 10 minutes, I think. I don't know if it was the whiskey or just me trying to be brave, but I got up eventually and opened the door, and nothing was there. We climbed down, and we had our rifles at the ready. We both knew that it wasn't a hog, but tried to convince ourselves that maybe it was. We could see the old stand marks on the ground, and the whole stand had rocked maybe about six inches. There was even a bent portion of one of the metal struts and two big depressions where it looked like feet had dug into the rocky ground. But we figured that whatever it was must have stood there while it was rocking the stand. We stood there just looking dumbfounded and we decided at that point that it was high time to get out of there. We drove back to his main house and we told his dad. He said to just stay at their house with them for the night and we would go check it out tomorrow. When we got there the day after we saw the same things that were there the day prior and his dad was super confused. I don't think that he initially believed us, to be honest, when we told him about what had happened. We found where whatever it was had come from. There was a clear path in the grass leading away from the stand, where it had been depressed and you could see sort of tree limbs broken. But the highest one that was broken off was about seven feet off the ground, I would say. We walked back 30 yards to the high fence that was there, and sure enough about a four foot wide section had been mangled and bent down. His dad was really ticked off obviously but he was also really confused. He told us that he had never had this happen before and he reckons that it was just a giant hog but I never thought so. Now I don't want to say that it was Bigfoot but I've never had an explanation as to what could have caused that. Over the years, I've grown to believe in Bigfoot more and more. My dad had an encounter with what he claims could have been Bigfoot as well, so... I don't know. 
that maybe it runs in the family. In any case, anything that can mangle a fence like that and move a blind like six inches within the ground like that, it had to have been a heck of a strong creature. This happened in the late 70s as far as my dad can remember. It was around 78 or 79 when he was a teen out hunting in the woods with his friend. And this was a ways outside of Meridian, Texas on a fall evening. So my father and his friend spent a lot of time messing around in the woods doing typical teen stuff. Firing off bottle rockets, hunting raccoons, underage drinking sometimes... But this day, they were going hunting for squirrels, so when they set out, my dad grabbed his 22 rifle. It was just a Ruger or something, with a cheap scope on it. His friend had a really nice Waimarana that wasn't scared of anything. He would run up to bulls and chase them, he would get in scraps with bobcats, and he would chase off raccoons. He was walking along with them in the woods that day. And he said that there was an old creek bed that they would always go mess around in, so that's where they started. The walls of the creek bed were about five to six feet high, so they hopped down it and casually walked along, half-heartedly looking at the trees and such, when all of a sudden my dad said that the Waimarana started whimpering and wouldn't come any further. It hung back about ten feet from them, refusing to continue no matter what they said. A few seconds later, he said that it just tucked its tail and ran off back into the direction of the house. This obviously made them confused, but they just shrugged it off. They took a couple of steps further, and he said that up ahead, about 60 yards, the creek took a hard right turn and elevated up on the banks were some trees. Now, the sun was setting behind the trees, and beyond those couple of trees was open field. So, you could see the sun setting relatively clearly where they were, and his friend stopped him and said, Hey, do you see that? And pointed in the direction of one of the trees. My dad said that he could see the outline of something big and seemingly hairy behind the tree peeking out at them. They weren't sure what it was at first, so they called out, Hey, we're just hunting. Are we cool? But there was no response or movement. My dad thought that maybe it was some sort of a huge porcupine or something. Not totally uncommon in this area. So he held up his rifle and looked through the scope to try and figure out what it was. Since the sun was setting behind whatever it was, it was hard for him to see any detail due to the sunlight. But my dad told me that what he could see really freaked him out. He said that all that he could make out was a large black fur-covered head and shoulder sort of peeking out. As he was looking at it, what he described as a a huge monkey-like hand grabbed the tree trunk. My dad froze and my dad instantly froze and his friend asked him what he saw. My dad just shook his head and handed his buddy the rifle. His friend saw it too and was freaked out eagerly. They sat there for a minute, just staring at it, both of them and whatever this creature was, not moving. My dad has always said that he didn't know what came over him, maybe just his teenage hubris, but he suggested that they should go and check it out. 
Both he and his friend clambered up the left side of the embankment and when they got to the top, the creature had ducked back behind the tree. They slowly approached and circled around the tree, my dad keeping the rifle handy. He always said though that he didn't know why because the small size of the caliber wouldn't have done much of anything against something that big. They both circled around the tree and it turned out that when they got there... There was nothing there. It was just gone. They didn't know where something that big could have run off to in that short of amount of time without them even seeing it, but nonetheless, they checked the area just to see if they could find any sign of what it was. And it turns out that they found two depressions where it would have been standing, but due to the four leaf litter, there wasn't any sort of definition to the tracks. He did say that whatever it was must have been really big and super heavy. The tracks were about 12 to 14 inches in length. But then he went on to say that they estimated the creature must have been about at least 8 feet tall. Other than the tracks, there was nothing else that could be found. No smell, no fur, no additional tracks, nothing in the tree itself. Just nothing. Afterwards, he said that they decided to just go back to the house and never really mentioned it to anyone or each other after that. My dad does love the paranormal, but is a healthy skeptic when it comes to stuff like this. But that event, he says, made him become a huge believer in Bigfoot. And after having my own encounter, I've come to believe in something as well. I'm not saying that it's Bigfoot, but... I do think that something is out there that hasn't been explained yet. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.